0: Welcome back to our reading of Takeout. We last left our narrator falling into darkness. Shall we see where they land? Chapter 8 The Basement. My whoosh into the darkness lasted long enough for me to count my blessings. Six blessings in total. Is that the saying? No, you count your blessings after you make it, right? So it was more like prayers. Six prayers. Begging the whooshing air digging into my ears to spare my life. Lucky for me, my fall ended with the blessing of a splash. The water was waist deep and cushioned my descent just enough for the ground below to not break any bones. I couldn't help but laugh as I rose my head out of the water. I laughed and sighed and laid back, letting the water hold me. I don't really know how to explain the feeling I felt as I floated there. It was just so nice to have a moment, a dark, wet moment, to not have shattered into a hard cement floor. The silence betrayed my sense of peace once I caught my breath, as fear so easily crept back into my heart. It was pitch black. Damp and blind, it smelled like roasted sesame oil and sweaty armpits. Right behind my pounding fear, my hunger came running to lift me up. It must have been my adrenaline settling that allowed my stomach's voice to return. I pulled the revolver from my trousers while I stood up. As my eyes adjusted, I could see a faint light ahead of me. It was a reflection in the water. A small, blurry, yellowish dot. It was all I could see. At first, I just looked at it. I wanted to move my legs, but I didn't. The effect of my impact was still present in the surface of the water. The rippling it sent out was unsettling. It even touched the faint light in the distance with a troubling distortion, a melting north star losing its reception. If there was something around when I fell, it would know I was there. Regardless of any living threats that could have been lurking in the dark, there were all those inanimate unknowns with sharp greetings, possibly possible for me to accidentally meet unsettling with the water jostling casually on my hips i summoned the nerve to move my hunger drive forcing the car into gear pushing through the black pool finding a corner i passed into a long hall and discovered the source of the yellowish dot it was a gas lamp burning a bright flickering light flickering the details of that flooded basement The wall I was standing by was lined with barrels and a library of wine. Some of the bottles were floating on the water, which was too dark to see through. The walls were stone, ceiling was stone, wooden beams arched out the curve of the hall. My first thought was, who lit the lamp? My second thought was, did the water stop the gun from working? My third thought, would I get a chance to find out? And my fourth thought was to take the lamp and get out of the basement before my questions started finding answers. Kung Pao, oh fuck, take out. Lamp in one hand, gun in the other. I pushed through the unsettling water into a sort of study. There was a desk with several books and papers floating around it, a large map on the wall and a bed sticking out of the opposite end a few feet above the water. I assumed there was another under the water as well. Bunk beds. The next room was a giant library, opening up something like twenty feet to the ceiling. The room was circular, with two large opened entranceways. There were bookshelves from floor to ceiling and door to door. Stairs spiraled around the room, going up and around till they met the ceiling. No door, no entrance I could see to the space above. Stairs just hit flat into nothing. Secret passage, perhaps. Most of the books were still on the shelves, but some were floating around, ruined by the flooding, swollen with water. In the center of the room sat a large globe, twice my height, built to rotate in all directions, carved from a dense chunk of wood and painted with care. There was a wooden chair built into the side of it so someone could sit level with the globe to observe it comfortably and close up. I found a bin hanging from the chair, filled with scrolls. They were all damaged from the flood. Wondering who Rupert was, I gave the globe a closer poke. What was he doing down here? Who was this Rupert that left behind such a madhouse of delusional alcoholic lunatics? Who would have a space like this? My moment of distracted conjecture collapsed and the unsettling reality of my predicament returned. Just as I reached out to touch the globe, a ripple in the water rushed around me. Something else was in the water. Spinning around, I scanned the room with the revolver. From the way I came, I could see a wake entering the library and trailing off behind the globe. My heart began to quake, rattling my ribcage with a disturbing rhythm. My bones were the keys to a piano in the midst of a thundering concert solo. My hands trembling, the gun trembling, turning my shaking sights in the direction my mystery guest was heading. I stood still. I waited. Don't move, I thought. This was when I had to pee. And not just any pee. This was the kind that slows you down. To run to a bathroom would mean soiled shorts. Not that anyone would notice a change in my state of dampness. And not that I was concerned with the silent judgment of anyone who might bear witness to my pissed pants. I simply didn't want the scent of urine to attract whatever the thing could be. If urine could do the sort of thing to attract the something that was under the water. I waited. Nothing came from the other side of the globe. I waited long enough to remember I was holding fire. Move or not, I was a beacon. How could I possibly hide with this light in my hand? I needed to find the thing. Before the thing found me. Leaning a bit, holding the lamp out to get a better look when past my feet went the something. I shrieked a short burst of fear before biting my lips. It grazed my leg and I started to pee. Spinning around in a panic, I saw the ripple left behind from my underwater stranger was much larger than me. Captain Ahab, I have found your white whale. Quick, spirit, I thought, before I am consumed into a closed-corner bile-soaked fate. What sort of beast would be swimming in a place like this? With the madness I'd fallen from, I could entertain the reality of just about anything. I preferred the fat doctor's big delusional boomstick over the mysterious underwater something. Me and water are not friends. Not water like this. I like my water in a glass. Crystal clear, contained. Not pitch black up to my waist alive with potential predators. Creeping backwards, I kept my eyes peeled on the something's ripples. Trying to predict where the thing could be, I couldn't stop blinking. I was terrified. My mind was a strobe light of fear pushing toward an epileptic seizure. I danced the revolver around like a member of a rescue party, losing their wits. Calming my arm as best I could, I continued backwards, inching my feet along the floor, feeling out for safe places to step. At least the doctor had a shape I could run from, an out of shape, shape at that. In the water, I was out of my element, and my mind only had a warped imagination to play with. All my fears flashed and molded. I kept picturing some sort of fish man with the hungry snout of a bloodthirsty shark. A lion's mane with hair strands made of deadly jellyfish tentacles flowing unnaturally aware. Gorilla arms webbed to its ribs with bioluminescent stinging prods. Paws webbed with a powerful grip. And with a waterproof cigar that burned with an internal flame. A black magic cigar perpetually generating and burning a dark, otherworldly substance, like no tobacco known to man. Dark, wizard tobacco, embodied with mystical and radically undefinable chemical compounds that rush its consumer's bloodstream with godlike enhancing properties. Turning a grasshopper's hop into a bouncing, dense lead ball with the weight of the moon, a rabbit's hop with a fierce leap that surpasses the world's tallest skyscraper, A child's hopscotch hop, with a quake too powerful for the hopes of any nearby city to remain uncrumbled in the wake of its joyful lunge. Hop, hop, hop. My mind was stuck on the word hop. Everything hopping. I needed to hop. I needed to flee. I knew there was no mythical beast in the water. With the way things were going, it was probably something much worse. It was probably… an alligator. I backed out of the library the way I came, feet pushing around soggy books, broken glass, unknown mush, the revolver sniffing out the path behind me, beside me, in front of and under and up. My god, what about up? The gun was everywhere, ready to end whatever might come my way without hesitation. I stopped in the small study with my eyes fixed on the break between the rooms and waited for the something to appear. Waiting breathing. Kung Pao. Oh fuck. Kung Pao. A wave pushed into the room and my eyes screamed. I froze. I meant to fire the gun, but I didn't. I didn't even blink. I just froze. I felt it pass my legs again. It touched me just so, and my inner child leapt from my skin, wishing me the best of luck with the rest of my life. I spun around and fired the gun into the water. The something shot up the instant I fired. The sound of the revolver's clap was a devastating explosion that bounced between the walls and my chest like an automated baseball pitcher on Renegade, just spitting balls out relentlessly. My ears bled out a numb ring. I couldn't hear anything but ringing. The something splashed up through the water, smacking the gun from my hands, growling a silent and wet roar. Through the falling water I just saw teeth. It was hideous. The splash settled, and the beast locked eyes with me. It was a frog-like man grown from tumors. Its mouth was long and lined with fist-like teeth, two big eyes close together, almost lost in the strange growths that gave it shape. Its skin was scattered with barnacles and a sea moss you'd find lining working-class ships docked and ready for cleaning. It had two long, powerful arms and two tiny arms where nipples are commonly found, little nipple arms with little clenched nipple fists. I held my hands up, blocking my face from the death I thought it was preparing to bring upon me. I almost screamed, but nothing happened. Peeking through my useless fingers, the creature looked ashamed. Mumbling through my healing eardrums, I could make out it was speaking perfect English. I'm so sorry, friend. I thought you were one of the mean ones, come to tease me. That's what it said. It apologized. I dug at my ears and gave the strange thing a good look over. It spoke again. I didn't mean to frighten you. Awful business, these emotions stretched and distorted beyond our own obedience in times of struggle. The thing extended its hand with a greeting. My name is Emmet. I shook his hand, a slippery grip with a coarse palm, and said, Pleasure to meet you. I am playing the role of Rupert. I was still catching my breath. With the greeting, he smiled and said, "'Well, well, in-actor, "'what brings you to this strange prison?' I gave him a funny look, hearing the word prison. Shaking my head a bit, I asked him, "'Prison?' he motioned for me to follow him, saying, "'Come, come, do follow Mr. Actor.' He turned and started walking back into the library, not answering my question at all. So I picked up the revolver and followed as he explained. I've been down here for four years now, give or take. Never one for precise measurements, the universe being ever-changing and all that. But the only ways I have found out of this basement are sort of useless. There is a cellar door, which is bolted shut with a hopeless metal. The handful of chutes that go straight up into secret rooms are out of my capability to fit. The sewage system, which just turned into a three-week march through shit that luckily led me back here, is an absolute waste of time. And then there is a set of stairs leading to a kitchen, which is, for some reason, always filled with these four-legged carnivorous beasts that are absurdly disagreeable when i found my way to it there was some man suspended above the death pit pulling himself on a series of lines dropping slop from a bucket for the murderous bunch to consume and he just pointed at me and screeched something in what you call in this world to be german An abrasive dialect when fueled with such rage. Spit and foam was met with his every word, as his command sent the monstrous, herd my way. It was awful. Thankfully, the creatures don't swim. Today, I am to attempt a new idea. So if you wish to free yourself from this place, I could use your help. How long have you been down here, Mr. Actor? I stuttered a bit, trying to figure out how long I had been there. I had no idea. Emmett reached into a worn leather fanny pack strapped around his waist, pulling out a few mushrooms, telling me, I've been surviving down here on these fungi that grow all over. They seem to be a great source of protein. They also make your legs feel like clouds and turn most things purple. Holding his hand out, He offered me some. I declined with a forced smile. Popping a mushroom in his mouth, he proceeded to tell me the series of events that led him to that basement. The Rupert I assume you are portraying is the same one who built this structure we find ourselves now. From what I have read from his work and journals, he was a decent man. A bit perverse, but anyway... He opened a doorway between worlds down here, looking for things he knew nothing about, and should have left well alone. This opening was, of course, in my home, and it sucked me and my sister through it without warning. And as you can see, a great deal of water. Rupert, I believe, has died in a way, sort of in the middle of these two realms. Lost to exist only as a sort of dream, left to play games your world might confuse with the conceptual impracticality of a god. Odd thought, really, this all-knowing judgment. Rupert's books speak of god as a coping mechanism developed by the mind's awareness of its alluring or lingering, always eminent and uncertain demise. "'Depending on your personal preference of perception, of course, it might not be so uncertain. "'Reason is by no means a necessity when deciding what to believe is and isn't. "'The only real judgment takes place in the confusion of yourself,' he believed. "'Whatever that is, whatever you are, not that it matters. "'Of course, unless it matters to you, then by all means it matters. "'And why shouldn't it?' A Fabulous experience, this wonderful occurrence of the everything. Alas, this place is sooner to end than most. This opening that found me by awful surprise seems to have started a shutdown of sorts. Like a dying flower, we are the seeds blowing in the proverbial winds hoping to find another one of those damn portals Rupert stumbled upon. Then again, that damned cutting-a-box-in-half business and cutting the half-in-half half and the half-in-half half seems to say different of everything altogether, when an ending is the topic." Emmett stopped, holding his hand out as to keep my attention while he looked up, and then he waved me on and continued walking and talking, saying, "'I read in one of these books down here about a deity of some kind that is Sleeping somewhere on a big leaf and dreaming all of this, all of us, wild concept, makes me quite frightened of shouting. I always feel the strangest sense of loss when woken premature to a dream's conclusion. Sometimes my head feels like cotton. The word brain scares me a great deal. Who knows what to say, really? So whatever you wish, I guess. I do know that I was much happier before Rupert tore into my world with his work. All these books I've read, things I never knew, my ignorance before, I suppose, truly was blissful. Simpler, at least. All this thinking and knowing I find quite unsettling. As we pushed through the flooded chambers, I found it challenging to absorb all of what Emmett was saying. All I could think of was, Chinese takeout. Glorious, glorious Kung Pao. I cut into his monologue, asking him where his sister was, and what is all this shutdown business, and what did he mean by portals? My questions seemed to sadden him. He held his head low as he responded. Sadly, my sister was killed by a resident of this structure. Some fat man claiming to be a sort of anatomy wizard took her for study, Been looking forward to eating him ever since. I've managed to catch a few of this building's inhabitants. They didn't taste so good. The shutdown I speak of is the decay of this realm. A tear, if you will, in the gentle fabric that wraps this bit of bits together. Happens all the time. Growing and decaying. Spreading and fading. Here and there. This and that. You and me. My sister liked to call it an always-moving slinky that changes colors. I, too, enjoy the image. Rupert's portal has torn your world's seams, it seems. We stopped at the bottom of a staircase that climbed high up to a door shining a warming light into the room. Emmett looked up to the door with a heavy breath and said, There it is, the Kitchen of Oblivion turning to me he whispered best keep it down as we pass we wouldn't want to wake the beasts i took a look into my revolver cylinder picking out the used shells i saw that i only had two bullets left putting them back into their chambers i looked to emmett sighed and asked him what we were going to do emmett waved his head about thinking And then he answered me. This is where we will be attempting my new escape plan. I believe I might be able to open a portal on the roof of this structure, if we can make it up there. First, we must build a bomb in the lab. It's where I've been reading since I arrived and where I learned your language. The top of the stairs there, that's where we'll place the bomb. Emmett waved me on to follow him to Rupert's lab which was at the other end of the dark, wet maze. Along the way, he read the recipe for the explosive we were going to be crafting, mostly to himself, rehearsing the act he was soon to perform. It was a long walk, and my hunger pains made it even longer. I didn't really listen to him talking. I hadn't any need for it. Keeping my focus on remaining focused was my concern. He could build the bomb. I only needed to focus my run out of the hole it would make, get into my car, drive as fast as I could, and eat while I blocked all of this out of my memory forever. The lab was well lit, with hundreds of candles. The lab tables all poked up just enough to be above the water. Emmett didn't waste any time. Telling me to scrounge around for beakers and flasks, Emmett started digging through shelves and cabinets gathering together a good amount of stuff I have never heard of. Emmett set his findings down next to the glassware I had collected. He gave me a smile and said, Very nice work. Then he wiped down the table with a wad of goop he secreted from under his tongue. It smelled like dirty socks and pineapple juice. He went to work right away, mixing things along with the guidance of Rupert's Notes. Things turned colors, things set on fire, things made crazy sounds, and some things did absolutely nothing and Emmett's face would disagree with his bone structure. This went on for about twenty minutes before I was given a new instruction. I had actually forgotten I was there until he looked up to me. With a big grin, Emmett pointed to the shelf a few tables down and asked me to grab the orange thing with the stick in it. So, I made my way to the orange thing with the stick in it, stopping a pace before it was in my reach to hear Emmett cheering himself. Never mind, I got it! I turned around to see what he had gotten, only to witness Emmett exploding. A deep crash and a powerful wave blew through the room knocking me over just after I was covered in the sloppy bits of my reptilian friend. The impact gripped my chest and held me in the water accompanied with more ringing in my ears. Disoriented, I tried to rise, finding a great deal of trouble recalibrating my equilibrium. The water was drastically disturbed from the blast, like some giant was shaking the building in its hands. It mixed poorly with the dead ring blaring in my skull, pulling my gun out in the confusion. I chased my eyes around, trying to make sense of the blurry images failing to combine before me. Walking to the blast zone of Emmett's miscalculation, there was a great deal of light pouring in from the hole that left in the ceiling. There was a figure peering down in from above. It was Charles. Wide-eyed and panicking, he was looking around trying to figure out what had happened. He didn't see me. Without consulting myself, I acted on impulse. I rose the revolver and squeezed the trigger. I was surprised with my aim. The bullet found his throat, blowing a majority of the right section of his neck clean off. The little guy fell lifeless into the hole, splashing into the water. I didn't feel good about killing him, but I did feel much safer knowing he wouldn't get any more of my ear. His body floated off with the bottles of wine that fueled the madness of the estate. I said my blessings to Emmett, and climbed my way up through the hole. Poor (laughs) Emmet, and we only just met. Such is life. At least our narrator is out of the dark wet maze. Until our next chapter, I bid you farewell.